This is the final whistle on Ocean FM. Donegal GAA's academy coaches down tools en masse and walk. They're reportedly unhappy with how their boss until last Friday, Carl Lacey, was treated. And with the county board's current direction of travel, we'll pick our way through the academy turbulence shortly. Also, Glen Farns Aina Clancy on the new League of Ireland season, which is coming hurtling down the tracks with Sligo Rovers. And from basketball Super League, we'll hear from the team they're all trying to catch right now, Galway Mary. And while their coach believes the EJ Sligo All-Stars can achieve in a couple of seasons, what they're doing right now, winning National Cups and being top of the table. You're welcome to the programme. This is Austin O'Callaghan and here's how you can get in touch. 083 3500 530 by WhatsApp or text. We particularly welcome contributions from our Donegal GA supporters on an eventful day to say the least. Sport at OceanFM.ie is the email address and you'll find us on Twitter right now as well at OceanFM Sport. Also coming up on the programme, Ballon Amour's latest Hall of Fame recipient in Leitrim. Patricia Griffin on a life in athletics and trying to catch the Letty brothers down the Boreen as a youngster. But first, Donegal GAA Academy coaches and support staff today resigned en masse in a show of support for Carl Lacey, who stepped away last Friday from his head of academy development role, citing a lack of support. The coaching group, it's understood, communicated their decision to the Donegal County Board today. Their statement expressed a deep unhappiness with how Lacey was treated in his role and the group says it has lost, quote, all confidence in the government of Donegal GAA. Now the county's under 20 and under 17 football coaching teams are staying in place as those two teams are already up and running season-wise. There are 40 coaches in the Donegal GAA Academy profile and at the start of January there were 267 players registered for the season ahead with the Academy. Well let's have a word with our Donegal reporter Paddy McGill who's also host of the weekly Donegal GAA a podcast. Paddy, this was a fair old show of solidarity with Carl Lacey today by almost all the academy coaching and supporting staff in Convoy. It certainly on the face of it looks like a fair bit of turbulence for the county. You, Justin, and it's made national platforms as well, right through whether that's broadsheets or on air, and that's never a good thing, Austin. Donegal are now yet again it feels back on the national airwaves for the wrong reasons and just for any of our listeners who maybe I know you give a quite insight there in your intro but so Carol Lacey was head of the Donegal GAA Academy for circa two years and six days ago he stepped away he basically stated that he wasn't getting the support of perhaps his superiors and that was the first, I suppose, big shocking news in the past six days. And then, as you rightly said, the coaching staff uh, basically it was doing the rounds today on various social media platforms and WhatsApp. They released a statement. And you say 40, probably a little bit less than that because, as you rightly say, we're the under-17s and under-20s are kind of, they'll call it, we'll call it mid-season. Their leagues are about to get up and running and then they both hit championships. So that's... Luke Barrett's under-17s and Leo McLoon's under-20s. To avoid further, further turbulence, they're going to stay in place. It wouldn't be fair 
on their own players. But the others, we are probably looking at maybe 33, 34 coaches from Mallonhead to Glen Cullen Kill to Bundorn, right over to to Lifford. And it's a, it's a complete show of solidarity for Carol Lacey. And on one hand, we still haven't got the full picture. Donegal GAA have yet to release a statement. And until they do, there will be loads of anecdotes. There'll be loads of stories, lots of rumours. I'm not sure if they're going to, perhaps there's something in the pipeline. But the feeling on the ground within Donegal from maybe the supporters' point of view is, and again, this is until we get the full story, fair play to the coaches for backing their man. And, like, to avoid repetition, we don't know the full story, but what we do know is that there's something definitely wrong somewhere when this has happened, I, I have heard in the past two years, in particular in the last six to eight months, that everybody seemed to be in unison with this academy. Now, I'm led to believe that it does cost a lot of money. We know that. But from a coaching point of view, from the young players who are in their formative years, everybody was rowing in behind it and spoke to lads from eight, nine different clubs. It was the one thing where there seemed to be strong unity um, that there was a vision here that Carroll had for Donegal GAA and that he ran the academy and the coaches ran it, a bit like how Carroll played himself. He's one of Donegal's greatest ever players. Some might say the best, but certainly in the top, you know, three, four, that's a hard one, but and a very smart football man. And, and by all accounts, a huge loss when he even left Declan Boner's set up a couple of years ago. So it's a big, big blow. He's got huge respect in terms of what he'd done on the pitch and what he had been doing with the academy. So turbulence is one word, Austin, and that's probably soft rhetoric, really. But overall, not good news for, for I think, everybody in Donegal GAA moving forward, Austin. Yeah, we, we have still to hear from Donegal GAA themselves. They have yet to, to publish a response to... To Carl Lacey's departure last Friday and to the additional coaching and support staff departures today. And we don't we don't know for sure what what's the reason behind this. You know, there have been oblique references to a lack of support. Is that financial support? Is it some other type of resources or, or, or needs that that the coaches may feel haven't been for, forthcoming? That may become clear in due course. What we do know, Paddy, and I was at County Convention in Letter. Kenny last last uh, December, where Donegal recorded an operating loss of €133,000. So clearly, financially, Donegal have to be careful and mind their pennies, as so many other county boards do, and there has to be a prudency. Um, there was a universal appeal that, you know, sends at a convention that the academy is a good thing and it's 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 the way to go for, for Donegal GAA. How you move it forward maybe is a little trickier in terms of making sure that it's managed correctly. Um, and so maybe maybe there's a there's a balancing act here that you have competing demands for resources where people want to move the thing on the next step and maybe just right now that the, the, the ready funds aren't there I'm not suggesting this is the reason but it might be a factor in it yeah I would concur with all of that that it's without doubt a balancing act there's a, a chasm there there's no doubt that a lot of county boards have However, we did, Alan Foley and myself were discussing this on the Donegal GA podcast on Sunday night. Of all the institutions, the different sporting bodies 
in Ireland, if things are done right, it, uh, we, the GA in some ways are the envy of the FAI and the IRFU and how they fundraise. The GA are quite good at fundraising, whether that's at local level, at the club, whether that's at county, because of maybe uh, there's an advantage over the other institutions in that there are parish boundaries, there are county boundaries. There are a lot of people, you know, around the world that if they see a good, there are a lot of big Donegal GEA people with, with a lot of cash, let's be fair, that I, I feel if things were done properly and perhaps ostensibly speaking, that they would put the money back into the, uh, back into it. And yes, the academy, there's absolutely no doubt that it cost huge, huge money, but Look at what Offaly have done in the past couple of years with Michael Dagnan there. He's, he, he's approached people that do have the resources, that do have the funds, and we see a huge rise there. But at the same time, Austin, in saying all that, you do need the money, but if, if Donegal don't get this right, this academy right, Donegal could fall 10, 15 years behind. Derry have got their house in order. Tyrone are definitely the standard there as an Ulster. Um, Financially, Galway seem to be now on an upward trajectory again. Kerry are always very healthy. The GA is resourceful, um, but like if they lose a couple of years here, Austin, three, four years, they could fall 10, 15 years behind, given how modern sports science and that is implemented um, into the senior teams. And I think the big disappointment of all is as well, while the senior team may have a difficult year, we don't know that. I think there was... <sighs> When, when people spoke about the senior team perhaps not having a good year, they, they also, there was a caveat to that, and it was positive in that, well, we have this academy. The academy was always referenced, and now that just seems to be pulled away. It's, it's basically on a house of cards at the moment, so there's no doubt. But, Austin, you talk about finances. We're not going to find out this full story until we get a statement from the Donegal GAA. And I'm sure perhaps we will in the next couple of days. And But it's very, very messy. And it's the supporters you feel sorry for. And the current senior management team, this must be a huge distraction for them as well. They'll say it's not and they're going about their business. But there's this negative malaise now that's spreading around the county. It's been a disappointing couple of years. Like We went back-to-back Ulsters and things were looking really healthy on the pitch. And then we had, the, I suppose, the manager fiasco over the past couple of months. And then, of course, the county final ended in controversy. We had the COVID final a couple of years ago, which I know nobody was really to blame for that one. But the last unfortunate couple of years, there's just been a little bit of negativity. And there's loads of good football people in Donegal. And it'd be, it would be great if everybody could, I'm not saying get, in, get on the same wavelength, but definitely get closer to some form of unity for the greater good of Donegal GAA. But I even sent out a tweet earlier, and again, it's without knowing the full um, context to it, but if Donegal don't get this right, Austin, it could go into the dark ages again, and we do not know Donegal GAA person wants this. Yeah, I suppose it's the signal it sends outside the county when people look in and see that there's upheaval in the academy because there were a lot of positive vibes internally about what was going on there and the genesis of something really good starting. But clearly, the current coaching staff feel they've reached a point where they have to walk. Yeah, and like that's probably the biggest disappointment of all. And there were brilliant people involved you know, from, as I said, Bally Shannon, her drag lengthies right up down the show, and there were, you know, I think we would have seen the fruits of this. People might say, well, it's running two years, what's been happening at minor level and that, but I think it's about the long game there. It might be something, you know, you're going to have bad years where you have 
necessarily not great minor teams, not great under-20 teams, but I think maybe over a five, six-year year period, we may have seen a pattern emerging. Um, again, you look over the road at Tyrone, look at the amount of success they're having. They don't necessarily ever rely on one, two, three superb players. They know that there's a conveyor belt of people, players who are coached to the best of their ability. As I said, you'll have minor teams, you'll have poor under-20 teams, but I think we were, we were definitely S&C was something that they were looking at. But one thing I did here, and I haven't been talking to Carol on this, and I, I don't know Carol personally myself. He was gone from Donegal before I started working on radio. So I, I did hear that the, play, the young lads, it, was not, it wasn't too stressful, and they were all really enjoying it. And the time they had off-season, they couldn't wait to get back to the academy. You know, they were running various other programs, and they were looking after their well-being and things like that. So they were actually enjoying it, whether, whereas you hear a lot of negativity now that there's a lot of pressure on young people, and maybe they don't want to play. There seemed to be this buy-in from everybody. It was holistic, and it's just a huge pity. And a huge pity for Donegal GEA. Can it be resolved? I, I don't know. Hearing it's not looking good at the moment, so what's the future going to hold in the next year or two? We have a brilliant nice centre of excellence in Convoy, but that's uh, that's going to be completely counterproductive if we can't get our underage teams yeah. up and running. Because we can't. I, I think the thing is, we Donegal have always produced great players. Okay, every so often we produce two, three really good players, but you can't leave that for chance. You can't they're always going to be the cherry on top. You need the structures and methodical planning. Like Austin, there was links to Limerick GA in this. They have a brilliant academy. There was links to soccer clubs. Um, I think Southampton, Alan Foley, referenced them at the weekend. So Carl, a very educated guy, and knew this particular field, this particular area. So it, it's Donegal's loss, really, Austin. Yeah, uh, and the question, you, you touched on it there, can this be repaired? Can they get the key personnel in a room together um, and maybe try and talk this around, sort things out? That's a big question, Austin, the million-dollar question, and that's something that, having together, I don't think too many people can answer at the moment. I have heard, uh, not likely, is kind of the rhetoric which is coming from the northwest, but hopefully there can be strong leadership um, or maybe from with, both within the coaching, from the county board and key personnel. We have some brilliant, fabulous people in Donegal GAA, but we have to... I think everybody at the moment needs to maybe just park their egos at the door, and I include everybody at that. I, I go as far as supporters of that. Everybody... And they need to work out something for the greater good of Donegal GAA because everybody is going to lag behind. We have, we've got really good clubs in Donegal. We've fabulous people in Donegal. We've good, smart football people. But look, at the moment, Austin, with a lot of just people that are just not involved at the moment, Michael Murphy, you know, stepped away from the senior panel. That was, you know, really disappointing. And we have to respect his decision on that. Carol Lacey is now gone, and those talks Rory Cavanaugh was going to take the senior job as well a couple of months ago, and that that fell as well. These are all really good, smart, intelligent football people. We need everybody who knows football, who knows Donegal football, who knows the club scene, we need them all involved for posterity and for the future of the game in the North West, Austin. Because it puts a smile on people's faces when everybody is working together. It's, it's 2012 since Donegal last won the All-Ireland I mean, that feels a year or two ago. We're, 
you know, we're 11 years now past that. It's, it's, uh, and as I said, we won back-to-back Ulsters under Declan Boner. Things look to be on a positive trajectory. And at the moment, it's gone the opposite. It's on a house of cards at the moment. And that's really disappointing, Austin, for everybody. Well, for the final point, Paddy, and I'm thinking of the under-13 and under-14 footballers in Railtonamara and Nave Breach and Kilcar and Killy Beggs and wh- wherever you're having yourself uh, across the county who might look at the Donegal GA Centre of Excellence as a place I'd like to be there and be on one of those development teams to, to improve my skills and work my way up through the ranks as the, the Academy's been doing for the last two years. Donegal have just spent millions on a state-of-the-art GA Centre of Excellence at Convoy. Time, energy and money, I think 99% of the county would agree is money well spent, provided it's harnessed and and used now. And you want the young footballers that are coming through, the young teenagers just turning into their teenage years to aspire to be part of one of those academy setups. And your podcast last Sunday night with Alan Foley of the Donegal Democrat specifically referenced the fact that it wasn't strictly an elitist academy Academy that 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 Carl Lacey and his team were trying to engender here. It might be a panel of players where a couple of them might drop out, but the door would always be left open that they could work their way back in, and that the door would always be open to nurture these guys and help them develop their talents at their club number one and potentially with their county number two. That's exactly it, Austin. So the development squads basically started under, you know, my own club man, John McConnell. They ran them from 1998. Carol, incidentally, was on one of the first, if not the first. And what this was, maybe perhaps 25, 30 years ago, people rang up the club managers and they said, you're in the county team, you're in the pick your best one or two lads from a club. In around that, this was micro, week-to-week monitoring of players and what it, what it does was the door was never shut, in it, shut on any players and they had really good guys in certain regions and certain clubs that were monitoring them okay and we know some guys developed differently from 14 to 16 to 17 and so on up to 20 some really late developers this was micro it was week to week they were being you know monitored uh, and that's again that's something you see after 2012 football was really growing in Donegal because of that and Ireland is massive for a county what it can do for the young people they want to be there I remember doing a part I remember doing a commentary with Maxi Curran two years ago uh, maybe le- maybe less than two years ago and he mentioned Leo McLoon being involved with the under 20s and Eamon McGee and he just referenced the likes of those guys or the likes of Mark McHugh or these people the class of 2012 they just stood on the pitch young lads they've got instant respect so they're tied into each other. Young people want to learn from these people because those lads in GA circles, in that realm in Donegal for the past 10 years, they're heroes, the young lads. They're young guys going up to Crow Park at five, six, seven years of age. And, you know, they were like Messi and Ronaldo to these people. And they, you know, those are the kind of lads then that got involved in coaching in Donegal, OK? OK, Mark McHugh. Mark McHugh is with the ladies. We see Leo McLoon with the under-20s. Eamon McGee with the under-20s. And then you had Carl Lacey, head of the academy. These are the people you want involved. And that can that can be a huge help for the young people involved. So at the moment, look, it's disappointing for them. But hopefully, as I said, I say it's on the house of cards, hopefully that doesn't fall and hopefully we can come everybody can come to some resolution but unfortunately we still don't know the full picture and maybe we'll be maybe on next week's podcast we'll have more to go on more information but uh, 
overall, it's just ah, disappointing us and it's disappointing for, for, for everybody in Donegal. Um, look, there's bigger things in the world, but at the same time, this was a really good thing where hundreds of kids, and I would agree with you, I don't think it was elitist. Some may point to it being, being elitist, but yeah, I, I can't see how it was a bad thing. I hope you've done your GA Foundation course, Paddy McGill. We might have to send you in as an emergency coaching cover. Paddy McGill, thank you very much. My pleasure, Austin. Thank you. We're on 083-3500-530 by WhatsApp and by text. Well, now to another academy graduate of soccer this time, Glen Farns 18-year-old central defender, Aina Clancy, who's getting her ready with Sligo Rovers' first-team squad for the new SSE Ertricity League Premier Division season, which is now just eight days away. Rovers' first game is on Saturday night week at home to the champions, Shamrock Rovers, at the showgrounds. Clancy is a product of the Sligo Rovers Academy and is effectively full-time this season, having deferred his studies for a 12-month period. He's been giving Ocean FM Sport a background check this week on his own footballing story. Well, since as long as I can remember, really, I was in the B Park every Saturday, Sunday morning, um, under sixes, under eights, all the way up until under 15, really, until I joined Sligo Rovers. But yeah, um, my Hamilton Rangers definitely played a massive part in my journey so far and thank- thankful for all the volunteers and all the good work they do in Manor Hamilton. And was soccer always your game? Because I'm sure there were lots of other counter-attractions sporting-wise in your neck of the woods. Um, yeah, I would have played Gaelic with Glenfern and Manor Hamilton up until under 15, really. And then once you join Sligo Rovers, it's kind of, you make the decision then it's Gaelic or soccer. So at the time, it was, it was always really soccer for me. And yeah, I'm glad I made that decision now. And you've been waiting for your chance with the first team squad. And now you've got it. Yeah, um, Straight after the leaving cert, I signed my first professional contract and it's just about being patient really then and whenever you do get the chance, you have to try and take it and uh, I played six games there at the end of the last season so hopefully this season there's more chances and to be fair to John Russell, the manager, he's really good with young players and he gives a lot of young players the chance. So. Yeah. I'm just thinking of last year. You were probably one of the very few Sligo Rovers people who was glad to see John Mahan leave the showgrounds. <laughs> no, no, I wanted that because he's back now and uh, he wouldn't be happy with me saying anything bad about him. So, uh, no, it's great to have John back this season and uh, hopefully yeah, we can push on and get back into European football. But do you like being part of it, that you're now a live contender for a central defensive role? You know, there's Nando Pinacker, hopefully Gary Buckley will get back to full fitness again, but Ina Clancy's name is seriously in the conversation now. Yeah, um, as I said there, John, Nando, Gary Buckley as well, who's suffered an ACL injury, but Gary's probably the best centre-half in the league for me, and Nando and John are brilliant players as well, so playing with, alongside those players and training every day only helps me as well, and... I'm probably pushing them and they're probably pushing me as well so it's it's healthy competition within the squad as well yeah it sounds like you enjoy learning from them yeah definitely like learning from Gary and even John and Nando they all kind of bring different sort of qualities and if you can pick bits off each of them as well as the coaching staff you'll go a long way so that's what I'm trying to do remind us what age you are again Anna 18 it sounds like I'm talking to a 25 or 26 year old I mean that as a backhanded compliment I mean you come from a well known sporting clan in North Leitrim you know the clans are, are, are so well known there must be a lot of pride to see what you're doing with your football career yeah um, I'm thankful for all my family to be fair it's, since I was young sport was really the only the only thing for me um, 
my sisters all played Gaelic football and dad would have played soccer, mum would have done athletics and all that. So, yeah, we're a big sporting family and yeah, really proud to be from Glenfern, County Leitrim. And as you get into the new League of Ireland season, how do you feel the Sligo Rover squad is shaping up, your new teammates that have come in? Yeah, it's looking positive so far, obviously. It's probably the first few months where John Russell's really had the chance to stamp his authority really on the squad and how his style of play and how he wants to play. So, um, yeah, for the new season, the league's only getting tougher and tougher as it's it's growing, attendances are growing and all that. So, yeah, there's a big one, Shamrock Rovers first game of the season, so everyone's really up for that and it'll be massive if we can get a result there. And now that Mr. Mahan is back, you can work on trying to muscle him exactly. after the starting 11. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the plan. Hopefully it's all healthy competition. So, yeah. Yeah. But competition is good because these guys want to have guys snapping at their heels. And you know, I think everybody, by and large, likes to have that incentive. Yeah, definitely. Um, the squad we have this year, there's so much depth, and which probably in recent years maybe we haven't had. And this season now, John's recruited really well. And... Like nobody really knows who's going to play, so it's it's really healthy, yeah, definitely within the squad. We wish you well with the season ahead. Thank you, thank you very much. Sligo Rovers 18-year-old central defender Aina Clancy from Glenfarn and Aina will be part of the squad for Saturday night's concluding pre-season friendly before the league begins this Saturday night Rovers hosting the neighbours Finn Harps at the showgrounds kick-off is at 7.45pm and then Saturday night week it's Rovers against Shamrock Rovers at the showgrounds on the opening weekend of the new SSE Airtricity League of Ireland Premier Division season and that game will also have a 7.45 kick-off and the Battle of the Rovers will be live here on Ocean FM as a new season begins on Saturday the 18th of February. Well, the latest recipient of the overall Leitrim Sports Star of the Year award is Borna Kula's Shane Mallon, the rugby player. He was named as the 2022 winner for his part in Ireland Under-20 Rugby Team's victorious Grand Slam success last season. And he received his award in uh, at the gala ceremony in Carrick on at the weekend. Shane spoke to Ocean FM Sport about what winning this accolade meant to him. Look, I'm very grateful for the recognition from home. Uh, it's great to get it whenever you do. And look, it's, it's, it's a very good day and very honourable day for me and my family. I know you've been a man to let the rugby do the talking for you. And your rugby was so impressive last year, being part of, a, of an incredible journey with the Ireland under-20s. Yeah, look, um, it was a great year. Uh, enjoyed every bit of it. Like we had uh, great wins. I played two out of the five games, Six Nations, played against Wales. And... The huge away win over in, in France. I think that uh, that was the pinnacle of the year. Just last minute winning it over there. I think that really defined the Grand Slam. Yeah. And it's it's a life moment, isn't it? One that you'll always carry with you. Yeah. Look, um, I think the first day running out into the field is something you always dreamt of. And uh, I actually managed to spot my parents in the crowd just as I was running out. So uh, it's something I'll always remember. I think just standing there in our in our line, uh, seeing my parents in the stand and running out for Ireland. And I think I remember seeing the photograph afterwards, which uh, attracted a lot of attention of you and your parents for one of the games over the, the under twenty six nations. Which was a, they're nice little moments afterwards. Ah, uh, yeah. Look. Um, great keepsakes for, for home and uh, great pictures to have for, for the future to tell stories that might not be best told in words. There will be people listening to this interview who won't know much about you because they won't assor- associate Borna Kula with rugby. Uh, yeah, not very many people would now, uh, but 
Look, I hope uh, maybe I'll be the first of many to, to go on from Leitrim to start playing rugby. Uh, it wasn't something that was very popular when I was growing up, but thanks to my parents, uh, goodwill and, let's say, um, determination, they uh, gave me every possible chance to do what I dreamed of, which is never earned. Yeah. And it is your game. It's the game you've fallen in love with. Yeah, literally. I think... Uh, from a young age, it started when I was four in Longford. Uh, Carrick was not much of a club back then, but look, they're doing great now. But uh, yeah, since four, I've always loved it and I uh, never look back. And right now, you're with? Uh, over in Galway, I'm playing with Connacht and with Galwegians, so playing my trade over there, trying to just get better and push on. Hopefully, maybe one day I play with seniors in Connacht. And I'm sure you cast an eye on Wales against Ireland this weekend in the opening match of the Six Nations. Do you say to yourself, that's where I want to get to? Ah, uh, look. Of course, like every young rugby player aspires, you have dreams. Um, I'm hoping one day, look, I can push on and maybe do that. But right now, it's just about really focusing on Connacht and trying to push into the first team there. And then once I do that, maybe think about the big, big picture then. Are you enjoying life with Connacht? Absolutely loving it. I think uh, I'm in such a privileged position getting to train and play the game I love uh, every day. So uh, I'm loving it and uh, yeah, just love every minute of it. Well, keep doing what you're doing. Shane Mallon, Leitrim Sports Star of the Year winner. Thank you. Thanks a million. Borna Kula Shane Mallon on his overall Leitrim Sports Star of the Year accolade for the 2022 sporting year. And another award recipient was Ballinamore athlete Patricia Griffin. She was inducted into Leitrim Sporting Hall of Fame for her lifetime to the sport and she spoke to Ocean FM Sport after receiving her award and began by recounting how she fell in love with the sport of running as a child. I was born and reared out in Garadice and um, on a farm and I used to notice the two Leddy brothers, PJ and Eddie, who are members of Ballinamore Athletic Club, running from Ballinamore out to the top of the hill, we used to call it Paddy Quinn's my niece my niece Sinead lives there now and I couldn't get this you know into my head that they could run the whole way out and not stop and run the whole way back in so anyway I took a sort of an interest in this and I started you know jogging along behind them and bit by bit I began to realize well I can go a good journey too without stopping so from there I kind of had an appetite you know for running and doing things around the farm we were all as a sort of what would you say agile jumping running things like that and then, uh, I think it was in 1967, my late dad uh, brought me into the first sports in Ballinamore, or brought me to my first sports, I should say, in Ballinamore Athletic Club. And there were many good athletes there at the time, but I was winning all around me in 100 metres, high jump, long jumps, whatever I took part in, I think I won everything. So from there, I... Yeah. got the taste of success and from the first time that you chased after Eddie and PJ Letty down whatever boreen it was did you fall in love with running pretty instantly instantly yes instantly but of course success gives one a great appetite you know and being a young girl what I was only 11 or sure thereabouts at the time or 12 you know just something different for me to do like because there wasn't much sport for females in those years you know I was going to ask, were there many rip women running competitively like you? There would have been a few in the athletic club in Ballinamore, you know, from Ochnachilan and around the town in Ballinamore, but not many. But they were kind of established. I was the new kid on the block. So I kind of give them all a bit of a shock, <laughs> as well as a surprise to myself how good I could be. 
So I had a great appetite for applying myself to things, you know, and as you know yourself, with any sport to reach, you know, the peak of it, you have to have great discipline and the appetite to do it and the will to do it. So I found I had those qualities. And then you, your eye caught marathons and distance running. Well, you wanted for a to long, long time after, like, I mean, I was started off at 100 metres. I would have done long jump shots, the whole works. And by the time I was about, I competed then, of course, in schools, cross country and track and field, and then for the club in the same, you know, categories. And then sort of around 18 or 19, I took part in the heptathlon, which was, what, seven events? Yes. And I got third, and it was only 18, I got third behind the likes of Margaret Murphy, who represented Ireland at the Munich Olympics, where my husband, Porrick, was a coach. And, uh, you know... I'm assuming I you, you and Porrick met, you and Porrick met did, through yeah, running. It had to be running, it couldn't coach. be anything else. Yes, he was my first coach. Yeah. So there's a great discipline there, you know. I had no problem applying myself and doing whatever training was put, you know, before me. Whatever the schedule was, I was always willing to do it and more if I could. So from there then, I went to work in Dublin and I linked up with Rohini Shamrock's Athletic Club and got in with the late Tommy Coyle who was very helpful to me and coached me for a good number of years while I worked in Dublin in permanent TSB and it wasn't easy there was bus strikes and one thing and another but I always found a way to train you know say for example you wouldn't get into College Park you know College Park there at Trinity College it was nearly a sin to go in there but anyway I used to get ready at work and hop over in the evening and train until I was put out of the track and I remember in 1978 I was going really well and that July the National Senior Track and Field Championships were in Belfield, the old track there at UCD and that's when I won my first national title 800 metres and three weeks later then Porrick and myself got married so it's a good start <laughs> And on it went and the and Women's Mini went. Marathon which has become such a, 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 you know, a, a, yeah. a huge event in Irish athletics yeah. that's something that you tackled Yes, well I was still running the shorter distances like well into my late 20s and then saying 1982 a few years married Colin was born and 1983 Ronan was born and after that then the 10Ks were really taken off for women and nearly every club in the country would run when some of the bigger ones you know so I started to sort of move up more then to the longer distances you know like 3,000, 5,000s, 10,000s and as I said that was the millennium year and was a very very important year for everything that was held if you know what I mean it was a kind of all commemorated so anyway I prepared for it but you know I kind of was innocent enough I didn't know what to expect so I lined up with 40,000 women that day in St Stephen or Fitzwilliam Square and as I said in my interview with John Lynch I took off very relaxed and suddenly I couldn't see anybody around me and I wondered am I going on the right road or the next thing, a guard, a motorcycle pulls up beside me. You have about 400 metres of a lead. Oh, and it was only two kilometres into it, going up Dame Street. Oh, I couldn't believe it. But I kind of kept my focus and kept my head to concentrate on, you know, the, the race. Because I still had seven or eight kilometres to go. And it was a blistering hot day in the month of June. And uh, it was tough at, in places, but I held on to my lead. And when you got to the home straight and you approached the finish line and you realised... I'm going to win this like yeah. what is the sense of satisfaction oh, like it's it's unbelievable like I just couldn't believe it you know and the crowds all standing around and all these at the member the late Brendan O'Reilly Lord of mercy him he was one of the first to interview me the different ones from the evening press and the herald and 
the indoor and here I'm just surrounded by all these people like you know so oh it was a great occasion just the memories will always stay with me yeah do, do you get as much out of athletics today watching it or coaching or help organize as you did competing in it of course I do like I mean when my best days were over shall I say um, I went on to compete then in marathons after that which took me into my what I was about 40 when I won the Belfast Marathon and I still went on to have my fourth child after that but at that stage you know your body isn't able for the the, the training that's required you know to take part in marathons and I kind of started going more towards coaching in the club and by then Colin and Ronan are interested and athletes of distinction themselves yes and coming through so like that's what I sort of got into you know coaching in the club and of course the satisfaction of Colin achieving you know his uh, goals and reaching two Olympics was very satisfying even though when he left Ballinamore and went to college he had other coaches but we gave him the start you know like every Sunday we were going to Nina Tullamore Santry tracks at Lone then cross countries God knows where you know so we were always and so for all the, the, the national awards the international experience and awards and experiences you've had down through the years yourself and Porik and and the family to bring it back home when you do get a, a Hall of Fame award in your home county of Leitrim like your name the Griffin name you're gonna think athletics Ballon the Moral straight come to your head for most sports people in this part of the country but to get this accolade in your home county does it still mean something oh, it does surely like I mean it was a total surprise to be at work there two weeks ago when it appeared in the Leitrim Observer I didn't know anything about it one of my work colleagues says congratulations and I said what did you congratulate me for and she said do you not see the Observer and I said not yet and she opened up the page God, I couldn't believe it I just couldn't believe it and then Declan Boyle rang me the next day then officially to say I had so you can go home now to the mantelpiece and put your Hall of Fame award beside Porrick's yes, Hall of Fame I award. Yes, I kind of looked for it there because we have so many different uh, awards that we have won as a family. And I said, wonder what did Porrick get for the Hall of Fame? So anyway, it was there on display, just I didn't recognise it, like to have a look. So it'll go beside his. Did you ever race one another? No. Porrick was always into the admin side of sport and coaching in his mm. college days in UCG. And uh, we had a great celebration down there last November where this guy, Mark Coleman, who was a former student, had a reunion. And Parag was part of starting that athletic club in NUIG, we'll just call UCG then, in the early 60s. So it brought back great memories, you know, to meet so many people that we, he hadn't met. I would have known quite a few of them. I would have been in competitions with them. So to look back over the years, you know, it's... I don't know. It's it's lovely. It's lovely. It's lovely. You know, and the lovely memories and the people you meet and the friends you make and the travels and, you know, satisfaction. And, and then it's a great healthy lifestyle. You know, you can't put a price on being, you know, physically fit and keeping, you know, yourself in shape. And it's good, as I said, for mental and physical health. And people don't realise that, you know. And I get disappointed when I see people, you know, reaching the highest level in sport. And I know they have family and they go into management or coaching, but they forget about themselves. They don't keep look after their own health and keep fit. And I think that's hugely important. And it's something that I have always done, you know. And like now I'm back running, we'll say, jogging in the park runs, you know, which is a great little challenge every Saturday morning. And I'm trying to break 30 minutes for the 5k and I'm nearly there. (laughs) So, 
uh, I just always think um, people don't give enough time to looking after themselves, you know, by doing some sort of physical physical activity a few times a week, especially when you've been involved in sport. It's just a pity to just let it all go. The voice of Ballinamore's Patricia Griffin, Hall of Fame recipient at this year's Leitrim Sports Star Awards. And she was speaking to Ocean FM Sport at the gala ceremony in Carrick on Shannon. Finally, on this week's programme, we're going to talk basketball for a few moments because last Saturday night, the team leading the Men's Super League came to Sligo and beat Sligo, beat the EJ Sligo All-Stars in their Super League clash to maintain their top spot uh, at the summit of men's domestic basketball. I'm speaking of University of Galway Marie, who are the team everybody's trying to catch at the moment. They recently lifted the National Senior Cup title for the 20. 23 season. Their head coach is Charlie Crowley who knows a lot of the Sligo players well, having come up against them at various age groups over the years and decades and he's optimistic by what he sees in Sligo despite their weekend defeat to his players. In fairness to Sligo, like they, they're down bodies we're down bodies but they're, they, you, know, you can see that they're down weapons and guys that are coming in like I know Keen Lally, a guy my age is playing for Sligo, like there's guys that are missing so in fairness to them, they came out with it, uh, we were we were decent in patches, and sometimes we were quite poor, you know. But that's credit to the team we're playing. As you say every week, the other opposition spend the whole week trying to stop us, so it's not going to be smooth. But we, um, yeah, we, we we came, we played better today than we did against Moycullen. That's for sure. So that's that's obvious progression, anyway. Whatever about the All Stars absentees, for you it's about winning every game as they come. You are the guys with with the target on your back right now. Do you like being in that position? Uh, well, as you say, I think Paul O'Connor says, win the battle in front of your eyes. And that's kind of the way we kind of do it. Like, every every team on their day is going to can cause someone trouble. Um, we don't, we wouldn't really read into it. We know that, like, we control the controllables. Like, we can only, we can't make other teams lose that aren't, we're not playing. And we can just play as best as we can. And sometimes we're going to play really, really good and we're still going to lose. And it's just accepting that and analysing stuff like that. But, yeah, like... That's just, it just comes with the territory, I suppose. Like, you know, two years ago we were talking about relegation and not having a team, so to be having this kind of, I wouldn't call it a target, right? But, you know, people know that they have to beat us. It's, it's a good thing to have, I suppose. Where has this Galway run come from this season? Was it bubbling, was it brewing, or has it kind of caught you by pleasant surprise? Um, well, we're obviously going to say it's been brewing. Like, uh, like last year, like we made significant strides from a team that was rele- like relegation favourites as per Kieran Shannon in the Irish Examiner. Um, and then a year after we came made it to the playoffs and cup semi-final this year natural progression we made we won the cup and so like it kind of was brewing inside camp it's been brewing a while but this goes back to like like years ago like all-stars would know most that like own rock calls of the world and like, we've had battles against all-stars for years so it's no surprise like I'm myself and Glenn get on like I was on fire because we've known each other for years and like he knows we know we all have this so they're on the same trajectory we were like two years ago, you know. And whenever we first came into the Super League, we were, I think we won like two games. Like for a first time Super League team to be putting that up, you know, you thought we were brewing, what are they doing? Because this is, this is, this volcano could explode at any moment, you know. This is their first year and uh, they take it down Aina like we did in the Cup. And this is the final question, as someone who's passionate about basketball west of the Shannon, the importance of Galway teams, whether it's yourselves, Moy Cullen, Sligo, you have Etienne Donegal, you know, who knows what might happen in the future in places like Ballina again. But the, imp- the importance of this in your eyes? 
Yeah, it's extremely important. I, I, I said something in the, in the heat of the battle about, you know, you see us now down in Galway, but like, you know, when I'm more calm, it actually, like, you actually look at the wording of it, it makes sense. It's that, like, you know, you say we've been brewing and it's been brewed. We have some really, really good basketball players, and it's just unfortunate we can't provide what other cities can provide, you know? And we lose out, we lose out to players because of that. Like, my Cullen have been in the Super League for I don't know how long, like 20 years probably. We've been in six years, you know. Sligo's are in there now. We're slowly starting to be, and the, I think the big thing is, is be able to hold our own. And you don't know down the line what could be able to do, you know, like the, the dream project is like a kind of rugby sort of thing. That's the dream project. But like, what comes with that is financing. But you know, there's, there's finances in the west of Ireland. It's just about, we have to give them a product that's good enough to finance, you know. You're not going to finance teams that are losing battles and be like, that's a waste of money. But if you can put a visual product, so you see it as a business. Um, but yeah, like we're lucky that this, this year it's us. It's going to be someone else next year. And we're just delighted that we can do this. Like tonight, this was at, at half six, I texted my parents who were coming up and I said, get your behinds here. This place is filling. I was like, I've never seen the likes of it. And it's really exciting and really puts pressure on us now. We love hearing a quiet crowd then, but it's 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 excellent. The whole show here is brilliant, and it's something we're trying to aspire to. Potentially, I think we do it ourselves in Cork and Kerry, kind of do it better than the other clubs up in up in uh, the Pale. Warm praise from the Galway Murray head coach Charlie Crowley. His side currently joint top of the men's Super League in basketball and the current National Senior Cup winners. That was after their 86-72 win over the All-Stars last weekend. A reminder, this programme is available as a podcast on oceanfm.ie and wherever you get your pods, search for Ocean FM Ireland to find it. We're back next week, same time, same place.